Murray from the point, blocked by Russ. Williams to the slot, sent wide by McGinn. He was occupied by Brandon Tanner. Near point, Hayden Flurry. Great shot, tipped in! Justin Williams in the slot with that magic stick again. Hayden Flurry makes it happen. 11.30 left. Carolina with a 4-2 lead. And welcome to the Canes Corner Podcast. We are branding this the Return to Pod edition. Uh, This is, I believe, the fifth episode of the podcast since the restart, since we announced we knew we were coming back. We hoped we were coming back. But now it looks like we're really going to have hockey, and it all starts. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon, the 20-whatever of July, 23rd of July. Uh, We're recording this at uh, in the late morning, early afternoon. And uh, that means one week from today, the Hurricanes and the Washington Capitals will play a practice game uh, before it all gets underway for good. Saturday, noon, August 1st, Canes and Rangers, game one of the best of five qualifying series. All Hurricanes podcasts that I do are sponsored by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can make no better call than the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. From roofing to siding to windows to doors to gutters, everything at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. Let me just quick quickly set the table for you, uh, and then I have a couple of thoughts before we get uh, before we get going here. This is sort of a cold open. You understand? Sort of a cold open. Uh, Alec Campbell's going to drop by, uh, to start. We're going to talk a little bit about how, uh, storm watches and aftermaths are going to appear. And then we're going to check in with two friends of ours, uh, kind of get a perspective on what else is going on around the Eastern conference. Matt Porter, Boston globe covers the Bruins. We'll talk to him about that team. They have been, by the way, uh, bothered by unfit to play reports, uh, including one of the best scorers, maybe the best goal scorer right now in the Eastern Conference, uh, David Pasternak, uh, who has yet to skate in Phase 3 with the Bruins. Um, maybe it's precautionary, who knows, but uh, they need him. He provides such a high end of scoring, it'd be hard to see Boston uh, going very far in the playoffs uh, at least as far as they want without uh, David Pasternak, not to mention all the other players that have missed time for them. It's really an almost a, uh, it's not an all-star team, but it's a, a good chunk of their top, oh, top nine forwards and top four defensemen um, and uh, and their best goalie in Tuka Rask. Uh, so we'll talk to Matt Porter about that. And then a little bit later on, Jeff O'Neill, uh, who does radio in Toronto. We'll talk Leafs, talk a little Canes as well. Uh, with Jeff O'Neill. So that's coming up in a little bit. So we've got Alec Campbell, Matt Porter, and Jeff O'Neill all on this return to pod edition of the Canes Corner Podcast. Uh, One quick thing before we get going, and we know the schedule. The Hurricanes will play the exhibition match against Washington next Thursday, and then Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Those are the days. First two games will be at noon, Saturday noon. Uh, all games on Fox Sports Carolinas and 99.9 The Fan. Uh, if you are listening to this and you are outside of the Triangle region and you have access to uh, NBC Sportsnet, and that will they will have the first three games of the Canes Rangers series. 
Um, I believe in the first two, you're going to get John Forsland uh, working with Mike Milbury and Brian Boucher, Kane's legend, Brian Boucher. Uh, so Forsland is working for NBC. He is already in the Toronto, uh, the Toronto hub, the secure zone, as it, as it will. Uh, as it were, and uh, so you'll get Forsland doing at least games one and two, uh, and who knows, maybe even uh, the uh, very pivotal, maybe even the clincher for Carolina, game three, Tuesday night at 8 o'clock. So noon games, Saturday and Monday, uh, and that Monday game will be on 99.9 The Fan, and um, game uh, game three at 8 o'clock on Tuesday night, the Thursday and Saturday game four and fives, if necessary, are to be, to be determined in terms of a start time. And uh, we don't know about the national network, but all games on Fox Sports Carolinas and 99.9 The Fan. And, of course, every game is on 99.9 The Fan. Stormwatch will begin an hour early. Well, not an hour early, a half hour early. Uh, but uh, 3 o'clock Stormwatch for the game against Washington. We'll talk to Al Campbell about that uh, in a bit. One more thing before we start the podcast. Uh, I don't know if you had an opportunity to do so, but I listened to the Two-Man Advantage podcast on The Athletic. Uh, it's hosted by Scott Burnside. I, I forget exactly who was doing it with him because Pierre Lebrun was on vacation. I think it was Eric Duyacek, and I probably mispronounced his name. Um but the uh, they had John Forsland on the podcast. And look, I know John very well. I consider John a good friend. Uh, and I have been uh, intimately uh, apprised of how negotiations were going before June 30th and obviously after June 30th. Uh, I have always held out hope that Tom Dundon will do what I believe to be the right thing and bring John back for another year and mo- much more than one year and make John the only broadcaster, the TV broadcaster and now radio guy that the Hurricanes have ever had. I, I was hopeful that that, will hap- that would happen. It's not going to happen. And uh, it makes me sad personally uh, and sadder still, as a fan, that the very best in the business is no longer going to be the voice of the Hurricanes. That is depressing when I think about it. And um, but what is there? Is it official? Official? No, it's not official. Official. It will not be official until somebody is officially named the Hurricanes broadcaster or John Forsland is officially named the broadcaster for another team. It will not be officially official. But, I mean, one in a thousand, if that, to me are the chances that Forsland comes back to do any more Hurricanes games except when we get to the Stanley Cup Finals and the Conference Finals. and However long we get into the playoffs when uh, the national games, uh, the NBC games, even if it's on NBC Sportsnet, where those are the only games and the, uh, the regional sports networks go out. Uh, so all of that is kind of upsetting to me uh, because John is so good and Trip is, and they are so good together. Uh, Trip will remain and Trip is great. And for those people who don't think he is, you're so, so wrong. Trip is dynamite at his job. And I do think that 
uh, in a way, with John uh, gone doing national games now, I think that the uh, the people who are paying attention will realize just how good Trip is, and I wouldn't be surprised down the road to see Trip get national run as well, because uh, I think he's legitimately that good. Uh, shouts to our uh, my friend Mike Maniscalco. I mean, it's a great opportunity. He did playoff games last year on the radio. Um, but, you know, the way I would look at it if I were Mike, this is a uh, a dress rehearsal, an audition, however you want to call it. It's it's his job if he, uh, if he performs well uh, in the postseason. No pressure, Mike. Uh, I wish you well. Uh, the shoes are gigantic, but you know that. Mike is, uh, I feel like I'm speaking directly to Mike at this point. Mike knows how big the shoes are. Um, but Mike's been in that chair before. And, uh, I think, I do think this is really an audition for Mike Meniscalco. So, uh, with the fact, in my opinion, that John Forsland is not coming back, uh, then, uh, I hope Mike does a great job and I hope Mike, uh, makes the decision easy on Don Waddell and Tom Dundon, uh, to, uh, to decide who the team's broadcaster is going to be. Uh, it's in everybody's best interest that Mike does well um, because it's Im- immaterial. If John comes back, if Mike does well, then the Hurricanes have a great fallback option when John does national stuff, and John will always do national stuff. Uh, but it would be great for Mike to be able to slide into that chair when the time comes. Um, so I want Mike to do well, and it does not impact whether or not John Forslund comes back uh, because if John, if if the team comes to an agreement with John, and this is not a money deal, John is not asking for money. He is. Uh, that's not. A, that's not. It's 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 not a money deal from John's side. Not at all. Don't even think about it. Uh, this is the way. This is what the team has decided to value. I understand logically speaking uh, that the quality of your local broadcast does not add to your bottom line. End of story. That's the way the team is looking at it. Doesn't matter if the team is good, people will watch. If the team is not good, people won't watch. Uh, doesn't matter how great your broadcast is. But the Athletic wasn't wrong. And when they did their survey of local broadcast, John Forsland, Trip Tracy, number one. Number one. Uh, all right, with that said, I've, uh, I've, I, spent, I, I always spend a lot of time talking about uh, John, and I miss him like you can't believe already. And that's why I started the podcast off with the, the Justin Williams tip-in goal because I just want to hear it because the only time we're going to hear it now is as the Hurricanes go deeper into the playoffs, which will happen. Uh, but John's going to have the exhibition game against Washington on Thursday and then the first two games of the Rangers series uh, so if you're outside the Raleigh area, you get a chance to listen to John Forsland uh, do three more hockey games for the Carolina Hurricanes. With all of that said, we're going to start this whole shebang, don't you know? Hey everyone, Adam Gold here, and we have a full show, as I said before, for you today on the Return to Pod, Kane's Corner podcast, Uh, but before we get to that, 
I need 30 seconds very quickly because um, there was no mention in the podcast because we recorded it before we saw that Dougie Hamilton did not skate on Thursday. Uh, and that is a troubling development for a team that really needs his offense from the blue line. But remember that Hamilton uh, had a, what was it, a fibula uh, uh, break back in February in a game at Columbus. He was going to miss the rest of the regular season, but they expected him back for the playoffs. And, of this course, we had the Kane's pandemic Corner and all of that. With host uh, but he had been skating and had been practicing and had been looking great. Now here's the but then on Wednesday, the he left the ice during Adam practice Gold. in as, I think it was Michael Smith of the Hurricanes web. Uh, he said, uh, in some discomfort. So he didn't finish practice on Wednesday, did not practice on Thursday. Hopefully, Dougie Hamilton will be okay to draw back into the lineup. Uh, but just it's Bears watching that uh, Hamilton has gone now two days essentially without practicing. Hopefully, he'll be okay. They'll get him in the lineup, whether it's in the exhibition game against Washington next week or the uh, the start of the Rangers qualifying series uh, a week from Saturday. So, Dougie Hamilton, two days in a row essentially without practicing. So, it is something to consider. And now, as I mentioned, full show. So, let's crank it up. Everybody's got a return to play. This is a return to pod. Uh, and this is a normal podcast. This is not a Facebook live event that we uh, that we pull onto the podcast stream. And we got a lot of things to do today. But one week from today, and we are recording this uh, Thursday late morning-ish, early afternoon. Uh, one week from today at 4 o'clock, the Carolina Hurricanes will take on the Washington Capitals. It is an exhibition match. It means nothing. Who knows how both teams are going to approach it, but it will be the return of the Stormwatch and the Aftermath. Alec Campbell, he joins us now. He is the Stormwatch and Aftermath host, the moderator, uh, at Alec Campbell 5 on Twitter. Do you remember how to do any of this? No. The short answer is no. I don't. I don't. I don't remember anything about the team. The, I mean, the season was 25 years ago, and I have not done a Stormwatch or an Aftermath for 25 years. I feel like Rip Van Winkle right now. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. And, you know, it's interesting circumstances, too. Picture this, Adam. Sure. Let, me, uh, let, me, let me throw this at you real quick. We have an exhibition game against the Washington Capitals. Uh-huh. That means absolutely nothing and we are going to do a one hour <laughs> storm watch special right to preview a game for which we can draw nothing from what we got in the regular season beforehand uh we will not do one hour storm watches for the games that do matter Right. But we will do one for the exhibition game just to kick things off. Uh, 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 the, the opening face-off, if right. you will, for uh, for the return to play for the NHL. So I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to getting back in the saddle. And, uh, you know, we probably all need one exhibition game, to be honest with you. So, so what you're saying here, Alec Campbell, is that the 3 o'clock start – for Stormwatch on uh, Thursday of next week, the 
29th of July in front of the Hurricanes' meaningless game against Washington, which is simply just a warm-up. Uh, that right. game, that one-hour storm watch doesn't have anything to do with the fact that the afternoon show uh, would have had to do 30 minutes and then get the hell out of there. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, no, it's just, it's one of the, no, here's the thing. It's like, you know, when I do storm watches, generally, like, I like to, to look at some of the, uh, some of the trends for the teams mm -hmm. and incorporate that into my preview so people can get an understanding of the opponent and what the Hurricanes are going to have to try to do to try to get a W. But none of that is in play here. Uh, and it won't be in play for the first real game either because the exhibition game isn't going to tell us anything, right? <laughs> so for two straight storm watches, I'm basically going to be throwing my hands in the air going, I don't know what to tell you here. <laughs> They're going to start this season. I think the Canes have a pretty good team on paper. They should be better than the New York Rangers. But at the same time, you've got a team, you know, here, here's the thing. I was thinking about this last night, you know, the Rangers teams can be dangerous. Lesser teams can be dangerous in the beginning of seasons, the first rounds of playoffs, uh, you know, maybe there's an extra motivation factor there. I don't think the Rangers are as sustainable the longer they go into the playoffs. I think the Canes are built for a longer run in terms of the talent um, and the experience that are on their team. Uh, but in a first round series in the middle of a pandemic, when everyone's healthy and everyone's motivated, I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's anyone's game, I think. So in a way, there's really not much analysis to be had in the first couple of storm watches because we don't know what we're going to get. Yeah, we have no, no clue. Uh, obviously, how everybody there's you can't ease into it either. Uh, it is interesting that with the uh, with the exhibition game because who knows how that's going to play out? Uh, who knows how seriously Washington is going to take it? Who knows? Right? Are we going to be Are we going to be dropping the puck twice so the referees can figure out you know their timing on faceoffs or? <laughs> Are we going to be, you know, are our coaches going to be, you know, keeping guys in the penalty box for an extra two minutes so they can get more kill time? Oh, I, you, you, know, you what, know what I think we're going to see? I think we're going to see uh, multiple too many men on the ice penalties so <laughs> teams get a chance to uh, work yeah. on power play and penalty kills. Yeah, can I? Well, also, you know, I feel like that was a that was a thing the Hurricanes struggled with during yeah. the season. I feel like they had a lot of bad line changes that either led to too many men on the ice or led to goals. So maybe that's something they should work on. Yes, but not in the negative. But I, I, I would not be surprised. Like we saw with the uh, an exhibition game between the Yankees and Phillies where Joe Girardi, the manager of the Phillies, asked Aaron Boone uh, to extend an inning beyond three outs just so he could get his pitcher a few more <laughs> pitches so he could right. reach a certain threshold. And, of course, Aaron Judge took him deep, and that was the end of the inning. It was a walk-off end of inning. It wasn't an end of game. As a matter of fact, I think that game ended in a 2-2 tie or something like that. It was absolutely uh, bizarre. All right, one more thing before we, uh, before we let you go. Alec Campbell is here. He is, of course, the Stormwatch Aftermath host. And at 3 o'clock Thursday afternoon, July 29th, a one-hour return-to-play special. Um, unfortunately, the Aftermaths, uh, and I mentioned this in the open right after we played a John Forslund highlight, 
will not feature John Forslund because uh, while it may not be official, official, it's official, John Forslund mm-hmm. is no longer the voice of the Carolina Hurricanes, and he will not be part of the Fox Sports Carolina's 99.9 The Fan crew uh, throughout the duration of these playoffs. Uh, so um, what is the uh, what is the plan going forward? Some other stuff we can't even announce. We don't know how we're going to do Stormwatch. We don't know if we're going to have Rod Brindamore in Stormwatch. We don't know if we're going to have any locker room interviews in Aftermath because of the turnaround time. It's more difficult. Right. Uh, but what uh, what do we know about? Because John used to come on. Uh, he was the, he had the fancy dance moves uh, in the uh, in the aftermath. What is the what is the plan uh, without Forslund? Yes, John Forslund, great hair and fancy dance moves. It pains me to hear that it, it's official, kind of in a non official way. Yeah, it's not official. You won't Nobody's be back. made an announcement yet, but I mean, uh, yeah. one in uh, one in a thousand that John Forslund does the does Hurricanes games next year. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, that's disappointing and upsetting because John's a tremendous human being and an incredible professional. Um, but for those people who have, uh, you know, listened to the radio broadcast for the last couple of seasons, since we've been doing the simulcast here on 99.9, the fan, um, they have probably heard trip Tracy who joins me during the second intermission, every game, whether they are home or on the road, of course, Trip is a part of the simulcast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Trip will be assuming the role of John Forslund in the aftermath. Um, so we get the talents of a great hockey analyst who will join me. I love Trip. I think he is tremendous at what he does. And I, 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 I speak that honestly because, as I've said before, I think that oftentimes his job in some ways can be harder than the the play-by-play because hockey's a, a fast game and it's a it, it, to be able to see what happens and then communicate that to the audience in a, a digestible form is an art and I think Trip does that uh, to the best uh, as good as as well as anyone and he's got a wealth of knowledge about the game he's been around the game tons of relationships. So he's going to do a fantastic job, at least for uh, these playoffs or these unprecedented times, Adam, <laughs> where we will be doing where we will be doing aftermath. These so look forward. Waters. <laughs> yeah, look, look forward to Trip Tracy in the aftermath. All right. Well- All right. We are brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. For everything for the exterior of your home, from roofing to windows to siding to gutter helmets, which I don't have one to fit my head, but uh, if I, uh, if, if they had one, I'd wear it. Uh, they're wonderful people. Aluminumcompany.com. The Boston Bruins were, and maybe are, the best team in the sport of hockey at the pause. 44, 14, and 12, 100 points. The only team to get to that mark. Matt Porter for the Boston Globe. You can follow him on Twitter at Matty Ports. Joins us on the Canes Corner podcast. I'm calling it the return to pod, just like we're about to have return to play. Uh, are you? Do you even remember how to do your job now? Uh, you know what? It was very strange to get back at the rink. I was trying to... Like, it, like I was just forgetting things. I was like, my tweet game was terrible. 
Um, I mean, I feel like they, when they zapped me with the temperature gun at the door, they must have taken some of my brain cells because I was foggy when I first uh, <laughs> got back in my my new seat uh, overlooking the practice sheet. But no, it's it's been it's been great to be back, and I've been doing a lot of you know stories that I just wish to had some live component to them. And right. now that I can actually write about. Even if, you know, I'm not that I'm writing about practice drills and stuff like that, but just to have some kind of flow of action in the story and some kind of meaning uh, for the present, um, it, it, it just gives you some juice as a writer. Matt Porter for the Boston Globe is here. Uh, I'm gonna, we're, I want to get to the uh, to the news at hand, uh, but I know, um, look, for, for those people who are going to Toronto, and there are very few people, I believe, who are actually going to go Toronto. Look, I know a lot of the broadcasters aren't even going to Toronto. The home broadcasters, I know for Fox Sports Carolinas, they're all doing the games from PNC Arena on uh, on a bunch of video screens, and, and the, the arena may be dark when they do it. Uh, so I don't know how it's going to be for for those people, uh, you know, on Nesson, Jack Edwards, and Andy Brickley, but uh, I mean, this is all new for everybody. Uh, what has it been like just to go back and cover a practice? I mean, they're not giving you a nasal swab all the way up into your brain, right? No, no. Uh, we are very much separate from everybody, and that's kind of the reason why, uh, because they're going to continue that policy of separating everybody, making sure that the only people who are around the players and staff are the players and staff and uh, that's the reason why we're not going up to Toronto uh, to go cover this team because we really don't get anything other than the ability to watch the live games in the top of the arena. Right, We'd still be doing the same, the same Zoom interviews, the same phone calls, the same you know virtual stuff. So it doesn't really make sense for us as Americans to go up there, have to quarantine for 14 days in a hotel room, and then get the same stuff that you'd get back at home. Right. So that's uh, that's kind of where we're at. And, and it has definitely been, you know, odd. You, you kind of show up and uh, you get the temperature gun on your, on your head and you have to wear the mask the whole time. All of this is, you know, very normal and mm-hmm. uh, for these times we've become used to all this stuff around here. Massachusetts culture is, you know, by and large, uh, has adopted the mask wearing as a, as a smart thing to do. And I think our, you know, not to boast about any of this because it's certainly nothing worth bragging over, but we, we do see a, uh, a, 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 um, a downturn, um, in our, in our case numbers, yeah. uh, they've been looking pretty good. So, um, but yeah, as far as the hockey stuff, you know, we're all spaced out and, uh, up on the, up on the concourse and watching what we can and, and then we uh, we all mill around for a little bit, and we do some Zoom interviews, and <laughs> we all go home. It's, uh, it doesn't feel like hockey season. It, it feels more like a development camp or something like that. Uh, and it's going to be very strange when we're all sitting around our our couches uh, on our couches and watching twelve hours of hockey a day. Yeah, it's going to be like. Isn't it going to be like you used to cover basketball when you were uh, following and covering the University of Miami? Uh, this is going to be like nine days potentially of the NCAA tournament's first day 
uh, when we when it all starts on Saturday, August one, because there's going to be there's five games, the first and second, and then six games a day potentially uh, for the balance for the next seven days. If everything goes the distance, if all the series go five games, when you count the round robin games, not to mention uh, the all of the qualifying series, it could be. I mean, like like the NCAA tournament all over again. Yeah, I mean, and you know, no, no, not to not to slight anything that's going to be happening here because I think I will. I do think it's going to be extremely exciting uh, to you know to have one game kind of coming to the end, you know, and then maybe you can switch over to, you know, the other game that's just going to start and, you know, you're just going to get a constant flow, but there really is nothing like watching that first weekend where, you know, all of a sudden you'll be looking on Twitter and then they'll say, Oh my God, get to true TV right now. You know, <laughs> there's some banana stuff going on. Um, you know, I, I just, the, the games are going to be spaced out well enough that, you know, I think you're going to have one after the other. And I think they're, from you know, crabby crabby hockey fans, we'll see how long it takes uh, them to come back, uh, you know, and lose the lose the glow of this because I think people are going to say, well, oh, my game's been preempted because the other game's in overtime. What the heck, you know? Uh, you're not going to you're going to see a little overlap, but um, man, there really is nothing like that first weekend. It, it, that's I, I still, you know, I caught the fever of college basketball when I when I was working down in Miami, as you mentioned, and gosh, I missed that. Because you just didn't grow up with it around here in the Northeast. And man, that that first weekend of just upsets and buzzer beaters mm-hmm. and absolute insanity. I, I just, I miss it and uh, I still regret that we missed it this year. I am uh, I'm reminded of a, a spring break trip I took to Jamaica as a junior at the University of Maryland. And this is probably before you even entered high school, to be honest, Matt Porter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, if I'm trying to think of the... I'm 36, was, so you just, you just outed God, no, forget about that. Are you, a, you weren't even, you might not have even born. Uh, it's 1987, I believe. Uh, it's either 86 or 87. Uh, and uh, we were down in Jamaica, and it was the uh, the Saturday of the NCAA tournament, the first Saturday of the NCAA tournament. We spent the entire afternoon uh, in a uh, in a bar, uh, sort of a tiki hut bar, uh, on the uh, in Montego Bay, watching college basketball. Uh, because yes, it was it's an incredible feeling. But I think the uh, the first round of the playoffs. I don't need to know what grade you were entering, or if you were even entering a grade, and you weren't in nineteen uh, in nineteen eighty seven. Uh, all right, let's let's get to. Uh, I don't know. Is does anybody wear number nineteen for Boston? Uh, yes, uh, Zach Senishin. He's a he's a prospect you probably haven't heard of. Uh, you, you're you're right because COVID nineteen uh, has probably hit the Bruins, and I'm assuming it's COVID because of the uh, the number of players that have missed, and some even aren't aren't even back. It had to be alarming going to practice uh, about a week ago to see the 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 number, and not only the number, but the stature of player that were not on the ice. Pasternak, Kasha, Coyle, Rass, Krug, Krejci, I think McAvoy, and I'm missing a few. Um, w- w- I mean, I know they're not allowed to announce why guys missed, but it seems, in, in at least in some cases, obvious. Uh, where does Boston stand with their roster now one week from at least exhibitions beginning? Yeah, I, there's certainly cause for concern at this point, but not necessarily because people are sick. It's because 
because they just haven't been on the ice and haven't had time to tune up and get their chemistry down and their timing and everything like that. Basically where the Bruins stand right now is, are there positive cases on the team? We don't think so. We don't think anybody actually has this disease, but there are people who have been around positive cases. That's one in, in one instance, uh, we know, which is who is David Pasternak. His agent told us that he was is was under quarantine and remains so. I don't believe he's at practice today. Uh, Cam Neely, the team president and Hall of Famer, said yesterday that he doesn't believe that David Pasternak or Andre Kasha, the, the trade deadline pickup from Anaheim last year, who they think will be a second line winger. They don't. He doesn't think either one of those guys will be on the ice until they hit Toronto and and the and the bubble. So that's certainly concerning. Your top two right wings uh, haven't had any practice time with the team. They've only each only skated one day uh, with a smaller group. So Pasternak's being held out because they thought that he was going to be that he was around someone. Kasha, we don't know. We assume that since those two guys travel together, it might be a similar case. They were also seen. Uh, earlier last week, skating on their own before they entered phase three, they hadn't, you know, yet checked mm-hmm. into the team. Uh, so that was another kind of cause for concern. That's been something that people have been talking about in the media is, you know, are they doing the right thing? Are they being too, you know, carefree with this? Um, all fair questions. And you could certainly say that they, that they were being, uh, uh, too carefree, but, uh, there have been other guys in and out. Charlie McAvoy returns uh, to practice today. I'm not down there today, uh, but from what I can see, he's back on the ice. He had missed a couple of days. Charlie Coyle the same way. What we're being told is that these are, you know, some in, in some cases, uh, they're being extra cautious. They're you know, trying to make sure that if they think, you know, somebody might have it or have been exposed to it, they're going to pull them off of practice. Um in uh, Charlie Coyle's case, he returned an inconclusive test um, right before they were going to practice, so he had to sit out that practice until he tested negative. So I think there's a lot of questions that I have about the testing and, you know, what are they what are they doing? Who are they using for testing? How is this all happening? They're, you know, not getting their test results back. Uh, we're not getting those answers because they're committed to secrecy in this whole thing, which is, you know, another matter entirely. Um right. I don't know if we're going to get going on the NHL's injury reporting uh, thing where everybody's unfit to play, but the Bruins are right now having so many unfit to play cases that it is definitely leaving me wondering what they're going to look like when they do hit Toronto. Because as you mentioned off the top, this is a very good team. And I don't think they're at full strength entering this tournament. And that's certainly, if you're a Bruins fan, cause for concern. Eight, I mean, the Bruins were eight clear. Matt Porter covers the Bruins for the Boston Globe is joining us here on the Canes Corner podcast. Uh, they were eight clear of the field with 12 games to play and almost certainly would have been the number one seed. And while I'm not going to say it is the be-all because Tampa was the clear and away number one seed last year and it didn't work out for them, uh, but you'd rather be the one seed than the four seed, I'm going to guess, if you can, if you can be that. And these round-robin games that will start on August 2nd with the game against the Flyers, they matter. So, I mean, it, it, so a week from Sunday, these games start mattering again, and you only get three of them. Uh, so, th- I mean, I, I have to assume that's cause for concern. 
Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the Bruins have said, you know, they, they look at this as would they like to be the number one seed, of course. Uh, but they also, and especially given the state of their roster, they're going to have to play these round-robin games with an eye on making sure that players are getting their reps, making sure that everybody's healthy, making sure that they're trying to establish some kind of chemistry and, you know, quote-unquote, playing the right way rather than, you know, going all out to get the results. I, I think it's it's kind of that that balance of, you know, if you're, you know, for example, they acquired Andre Kasha, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with, with the idea of, of, of uh, putting him with David Krejci and Jake DeBrusque and forming a second line with speed and skill. And he hasn't, Kasha hasn't played with Krejci at all, you know, for what, four months and however many days now. Right. So, you know, if, if Bruce Cassidy, I would expect, you know, if Kasha's available in the round robin games, he's probably going to have to ride that line, uh, you know, rather than say, okay, this isn't working. Kasha, you know, doesn't look ready. I'm going to try to put somebody there who can, you know, give us some results right now. I think he might err on the side of uh, sticking with those lines, you know, to, to really try to establish some chemistry, you know, for the games that, you know, really truly do matter that are elimination games uh, starting about, you know, August 10th or 11th. Look, uh, the third lines are always, to me, and when you get into playoff series, they all always become pivotable. Pivotable. I just made sure. up a word. Uh, pivotal. And Charlie Coyle was a huge part of Boston's win over the Hurricanes last year in the conference uh, finals. But I wanna, I, I'm curious about this because Boston was so close last year. Game seven, Stanley Cup finals on their own ice, and it didn't work out. Um did that happen? I don't remember that at all. Uh, that well, a, look, I don't, I don't remember the sweep uh, yeah. <laughs> in the conference finals. Tukarask, never heard of him. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but the, I mean, how do they use that? I mean, it, do you even use that now because of the uneven nature of what we have to deal with with almost five months in between games? Well, I mean, they've been on a mission this entire season, and I don't think that's going to change. I don't see how it could. They're going to absolutely see this as their revenge tour for last year. You know, they got so so close. I mean, you just look at the composition of this roster where you have a 43-year-old Dano Chara uh, on defense, and Patrice Bergeron will be 35 tomorrow, um, and... You know, Yaroslav Halas looking for his first cup, and and you know, Krejci's thirty three, soon to be thirty four. Um, guys like Marchand, you know, guys like Krug who've never lifted a cup before. There's there's so much to get that close with this roster, where you know that you're you're just not going to have that many more kick, kicks at the can before you really start to have to rebuild this thing, you know, or retool it, however you want to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I can't imagine that there are more teams that are more motivated than the Bruins are. Um, they, they had their guts ripped out last year. I mean, it took them a long time to get over that. And some of the guys, if you still talk to them, I mean, it, it's, it's not, uh, you know, athletes look for motivation any way they can. They take slights, you know, they, they fire themselves up, uh, play all these kind of mental games. I mean, for the Bruins, it is right there. It is raw. It is real. Uh, what happened to them last year at the Garden. And I think as soon as the puck drops or, you know, shortly before, they're all going to be in that frame of mind where, you know, they, they're coming here to finish the job. Um, are they going to be healthy enough to do it? I, 
I have no idea. Uh, and right now I have my doubts. All right, final thing for, and by the way, you, you mentioned Zidane Ochara, who's 43, uh, and much like Carolina's most vulnerable player uh, in this uh, age of the pandemic, Justin Williams, who's 38, uh, I am in no way wondering whether or not they will be healthy and ready to go uh, because I know what kind of a legendary uh, fitness freak Chara is and I know what kind of shape Justin Williams is in. So you do, you just don't have to worry about <laughs> certain guys. I'm more concerned with the younger guys uh, with Carolina than I am with a guy like Justin Williams. All right, when we first started doing well, the now, pod- uh, what? But, but, but let me ask you, though, why is that? Because I think that I, I'm, I'm concerned if Chara can actually – can he get his legs going quick enough? And and what's your concern with Carolina's young young guys? Oh, I'm not really. I'm not concerned with any of them. I think they're all in phenomenal shape. Rod Brindamore has a way of just sort of uh, just by looking at you, making you want to be in better shape than you are. I am personally, <laughs> personally like. Uh, conscious of the fact that I am not in great shape anymore uh, when I walk around Rod Brindamore. It's just he's got a way of making you feel that way. So I'm not worried about any of the players for Carolina. And Chara, uh, to me, is just uh, just a freak of nature. He doesn't have to be. Uh, he's not quick. He's got, uh, he's got the longest reach in the history of reaches. So I sure. just, I'm, not, I'm not worried about whether or not Chara is going to be ready to go. Um, they're so deep on the blue line anyway, Boston. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. I'm not, maybe the mental maybe the mental side is what you're talking about. There. That but, would be maybe your concern. You have a you have a bunch of new faces there in Carolina. Um, how do they acclimate? You know, I think you have the leadership down there. Mm-hmm. Um, goaltending for me would be a concern. I, I don't necessarily uh-huh. trust either of those guys. Um, but you know, they're they're stacked. I mean, that D is woof woof. So you you actually led me into the final question in why do you think the Carolina Hurricanes are going to win the Stanley Cup? We've got kind of been joking about this, but I'm kind of serious. Uh, when we first the first episode of the podcast we did upon coming back, it was this is why the Hurricanes are going to win the Stanley Cup. I made Scott Burnside from the Athletic predict that the Hurricanes were going to win the Stanley Cup. So we've done that with everybody, but I am I'm curious. Uh, I think you're right that the one thing that we really don't know about Carolina is Peter Morazic, uh, or, I mean, is, is he going to be uh, the guy, James Reimer? Um, I think ultimately Morazic gives them the highest end when he's on. Uh, I also think yeah. he has this ability to rise to the occasion. I think the only question is because goaltenders uh, can get injured so quickly and it doesn't take much. Can he stay healthy? Um, and to me, that's the uh, that's the question. But they've got depth. Um, they've got. I'm, and it's going to sound weird, but they have three or four goaltenders that are almost interchangeable. Uh, and if mm-hmm. it only takes one, because I think the two guys who played all year in the in the minor leagues are both NHL goalies. Uh, so mm-hmm. who who knows? But I think you're right. I think the uh, the the one question is uh, is goaltending. So if the Hurricanes do no, the no, Stanley Cup. Say- now, now, when you say three or four goaltenders, are you talking about the Rangers or the Hurricanes? Because, I mean, you want to talk to <laughs> too many goalies. Well, here's the thing. Everybody I've talked to says it's going to be Shesterkin, and I get it because Shesterkin's probably be. their best goalie, right? Yeah, but it, it probably should be. Yeah. The last time, I believe, I think I have this right, the last time that Lundqvist lost a game to the Hurricanes, I was in that tiki bar in Montego Bay. <laughs> 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 
I, I think I think if you want to do right by Hank, because he still has another year left in his contract, let's not forget that. This is a very delicate situation, and I think what you want to do is you want to let him start. But and and if he plays well, great, awesome. Then you know, just Sturkin knows that his time is going to come eventually. Um, but if he fails, then you do what you have to do, and everybody gets it. They understand it. You gave Hank the benefit of the doubt. Um, but no, I, this is, I don't know where you were going with, with the, with the <laughs> point before. I don't want to, I don't want to mess up that, but I, I just want to say, I can't wait to watch this series. It's going to be great. Yeah. This is, this is one of the most interesting series for me with that, with that Carolina back six and, you know, the interesting forwards that Carolina has against the Rangers, who I don't think can defend, but man, I like their forward group. Mm-hmm. I like, you know, obviously Panarin. And I'm just very interested to see what the Canes can bring as far as Hamilton coming back, Batten and fitting in, Slavin playing so incredibly well. Um, it's it's just a very, very spicy series in my opinion. Oh, it's it's going to be an absolute blast, not to mention the Rangers did not lose to Carolina and they were barely threatened by Carolina all year. And the Canes have had a couple of wins, I think, last year against... Uh, early in the season and late in the season, but for the most part, they have not been able to solve New York. Uh, but I actually like Carolina, and I think Carolina at 50-1. to 1. If you are a uh, wagering sort, and I know you're not because you're a sensible, uh, solid individual, Matt Porter, uh, mm-hmm. but at 50-1, to 1, Carolina's got a ton of value there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> no doubt. I'd be all over that. So, if I were a degenerate, exactly. It doesn't have to be a degenerate. You just have to be, you know, one of those people who don't mind uh, parting with money uh, because they call yeah. it gambling for a reason. I'm not one of those mm-hmm. people. Uh, incidentally, uh, I hope I do hope that we get another conference finals between the Hurricanes and the Bruins. Um, I know I know Canes fans might not like me hearing me say this. Uh, to me, Boston is the most fun team for me to watch because they are so. Uh, they can play whatever style you want. They can be nasty. Mm-hmm. They can be smooth skating. Uh, and the, with the likes of Pasternak, they are. And I think Marshawn is an elite offensive player, too. Uh, and he's mm-hmm. a pest. And I love everything about him when I'm not uh, playing against him. But I would love to see that series as well one more time. Uh, and the real rivalry in the East will be Canes and Bruins. Mm. Hey. <laughs> From 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 your from from your lips to God's ears, man. That would be uh, that would be a lot of fun. I just wish I was coming down to Carolina. That would be even more fun. Yes. But next year, hopefully, we get back uh, to normal. Yeah. Next year, maybe uh, we'll have the the Canes and Bruins open up the season, and Carolina will wear their Whalers uniforms. Uh, just uh, just to add some extra spice, Matt Porter from the Boston Globe. I thank you so much for the time. I wanted to do 15 minutes, and we went way longer than that. Uh, so I appreciate it. We'll talk again soon, man. All right. Thanks, Adam. And now let's talk to a Carolina Hurricanes legend because he'll always be that to those of us uh, who covered the team. Jeff O'Neill is with the Sports Network in Canada. He covers the Leafs. He does overdrive on the radio with Brian Hayes and Jamie McLennan on TSN Radio 1050 in Toronto. I appreciate your time. I'm, I am curious. You're still sixth on the Hurricanes all-time scoring list. Uh, your Twitter avatar, though, has, has with you, uh, with the Maple Leafs, you scored 
almost 200 goals with the franchise. Your avatar should be the black eye you got in 2002. You know what? That's just uh, playing to the marketplace. I work in Toronto now. That's the only reason that's there. Uh, I kind of flip-flop back and forth, so maybe it's time for a change. I'll go back to the Canes avatar. I mean, I I still I have that ingrained in my brain with the black guy. You got to believe in Toronto uh, as well. Was that Game Three of the two thousand two uh, Eastern Conference Finals? I believe it was. Yeah, Brian McCabe spun around and took a slap shot and hit me right in the eye, and I knew it was bad because Shane Corson was a pretty pretty fierce competitor. And I remember out the face off, he was looking at me. And he's like. Jesus, man, are you all right? And during the playoffs, typically players don't ask the other players if they're all right. So I kind of had an inkling it wasn't that hot. And Pete Friesen took care of it pretty good and drained it very well. So I was able to continue and then score a big goal in that game. So it was a lot of fun. I think I scored the overtime winner in that game. So it worked out all right. I, I don't know that you'd trade it every time, but uh, typical hockey player. Jeff O'Neill, all right, let's get to the uh, the format. As an analyst, and I know as a former player you may have a different uh, view of it, but as an analyst, do you like the 24-team, 12-in-each-conference format they have decided on? You know what? I was kind of surprised just because of what's going on in the world, Adam. I think that or I thought that they were just like, okay, who's ever in the playoffs, you're in the playoffs, and let's try to not quite like get this over with, but let's not kind of make this any longer than we have to. So I, I don't really have a problem with it. I think it gives a bunch of different markets hope and excitement. And I would, I'd like to think that there's going to be some ups, upsets where teams where you didn't think would have a chance, whether it be Toronto, Columbus, Carolina, Rangers, some team like that might not only get in, but go on a run. So if for, for that, the interest in hockey, I think that's good for the game. But I thought they would want to kind of wrap things up quickly and just say, who's in the playoffs? You're in the playoffs. Let's get going. Uh, that's not the route they chose. But, you know, it gives, it gives a lot of excitement around the league. And I'm definitely excited to get back to work on Monday. Now, you spent a good chunk of your career, obviously, in the U.S. And you're familiar with March Madness in college basketball. This has the opportunity, the potential, starting on Saturday, August 1st. Five on Saturday, five on Sunday, and then if all of the qualifying series go the distance, we're talking about six games a day for seven straight days. This is like a nonstop first two days of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, if you're a hockey fan, I know definitely – up in Canada, there's people dying to watch it. But the counter argument was, well, who's going to want to watch in the summer? But the bottom line is a lot of people are at home, whether it's working at home or they just can't go into work or whatever it might be. So I think there's going to be a lot of people watching and a lot of people excited. I don't like people are like, oh, who wants to award the Stanley Cup this year? They're just going to talk about it. And they mentioned Asterix and this and that. I think it's just going to be great. Um, for people in our business covering the game, it's, it's going to be a lot of excitement. It's going to be a lot of work. The only thing I'm concerned about is this season basically seems like the end of this season is going to roll into the next one. I'm just wondering when my next vacation is going to be. I know I took this one a little bit early because I have to go back to work, but I'm like, when the hell is this going to end? There's going to be like a month off and the next season starts and then the playoffs and then the Stanley Cup again. I'm just like, I've basically told myself I'm going into the work for the next year and a bit and... Whenever the hell I leave, I guess when I leave. So we'll just see what happens. That, isn't that the definition of a first world problem right there? 
Yeah, I guess so. It's like somebody told me, as soon as you think you're having a bad day, remember you talk about sports for a living. There you go. I, I feel like the same. I, I, I never have a Monday. Uh, you know, go in and do the show, yeah. and, you know, it's it's still just talking about sports. Jeff O'Neill from the Sports Network in Canada. Uh, at On Twitter, at Odog9, and then the number two. Everything else is spelled out. All right, I just want to ask one thing about Leafs-Canes before we get into the Leafs specifically. Because yeah. that game, uh, which was very tore, very much towards the end of uh, before the pause... Uh, that was one of the weirdest games I have ever seen. I, I'm sure you feel the same way. Just your, what what do you remember the most uh, about that night at Scotiabank Arena? Well, I was first of all, I was like, okay, one goalie's hurt, then the second guy gets hurt, and I'm like, all right, this guy has gotta he's gotta stay in the game. Like he can't say that he's hurt and he can't play because what the hell is gonna happen after that? And then David Ayers, who I played softball with in Etobicoke, goes in the net. Because I remember I was looking at him. I'm like, God, that guy looks familiar to me. <laughs> and I and I just I asked somebody. I'm like, is that the guy that's on our softball team? And they're like, Yeah, that's him. <laughs> so he goes in the net. And I think I think somebody scored early on. Like yeah. Tavares scored like a brutal goal. I'm like, They're going to win this game like 12 to four. Just shoot the puck on net. And my buddy was over, and. He's like, all they got to do is shoot the puck on net and it's going to go in. And Carolina just had a masterful third period there where it was, uh, you know, there was this textbook New Jersey 1995 style defense and they could hardly get a shot on net. That was a, that was a debilitating blow for the Leafs. I think they were kind of a little bit of a lull and then they lost that game. And that was something else. So that was quite a story. And that was good for, good for the league and good for the Hurricanes and everybody involved. But it's definitely a weird one. I mean, David Ayers was uh, was a rock star. It took about a week for that to die down. Was he a good softball player? Yeah. Oh, unbelievable! He's a <laughs> he's a big dude, and he can hit. He can run. He's a he's a stud on the baseball field. That's not saying much for a co-ed softball league in Etobicoke, though. It's kind of <laughs> a beer drinking uh, hangout league. But he's definitely a good player in that league. Did, Toronto did did, however, they won their next three games after that. So it almost looked like that kind of uh, gave them a little bit of a jolt that they might have needed at the time, although they kind of went back into their old habits by losing three in a row on the road uh, on the on the back end of it. But did it did it maybe benefit them in the in a strange way? No, I don't think I don't think there was any benefit to them. Kyle Dubas touched on that. He said the one thing I'll give our team is they found a way to bounce back after some setbacks. He goes, but the the lead up to that is why are they having these setbacks? And they had a couple different moments multiple times throughout the season where they just kind of fell asleep and they had no shows. And I mean, in an 82 game season, you're going to have ups and downs and you're going to have some stinkers and some rain out, find a way to have some consistency. And they're going to be playing a Columbus team in this playing round that works hard and they play for keeps. So they're going to see what they get, see what they got here in the first little play in with Columbus. We're going to talk about that series in just a second, but I am curious, why do you think, that this team with Matthews and Marner and Tavares and Nylander and Riley and good goaltending in Anderson, and I like Jack Campbell actually as a backup option, uh, why do you think that they have yeah. not been able to put it together uh, consistently? I mean, they're, they're always going to be a playoff team. You have that kind of talent, you're going to make the playoffs. But why do you think they have not been able to capitalize on it? 
I think there's just some immaturity there. I think sometimes they just throw their sticks out and they want to, they want to try to win seven, five. And that's great and everything. I mean, throughout during parts of the season, you're going to have some stretches where you can blow teams out and outscore them and outscore your weaknesses. But you know what playoff hockey is all about. You got to pull it together and you got to play tight defensive hockey. You got to be able to check. You got to be able to play with some physicality. So I think once this team gets a little bit uh, more mature and, and they kind of figure things out and realize that the ultimate goal isn't going to be throwing their sticks out there and seeing what happens. They've got to play with some kind of structure and some some kind of identity. And I think that sometimes you'd, you'd watch them play during their lulls or their poor spells. So the matchup with Columbus, because if you think about these two teams, they're really complete opposites. Uh, Columbus yeah. had a talent drain, but they're healthy now and they play a certain way uh, that forces you to play kind of a hard, gritty game. Uh, so how do you see this ultimately playing out? Well, I think it's kind of like Rocky Balboa when he was playing against Clutter, getting matched up against Clubber Lang or Clubber Lang was just training like an animal and he was old school wow. and then Rocky was getting a little bit cushy. And it's just, that's, you know, the Leafs are, they got the fancy lineup and the fancy lines and combination and different ways of practicing. And Columbus is just going to go out there and they're going to work and they're going to grind. And they do have some talent. They can score goals. Their goaltending can be an X factor. But we're going to see what Toronto's made of. They definitely have more talent on paper up front, but to see if they can play defense and kind of match that work ethic because Columbus knows how to play for keeps. So we'll see what happens. Um, but, I mean, to... In the off season, when uh, when the Leafs lost Nazim Kadri, he provided he was a little bit of a flake, obviously, but he provided a grittiness and a uh, one of that that element that you need in the postseason. Did they replace that at all by getting Clifford from the Kings? Do they have a gritty element to them? Well, I know I like Clifford. He brings that element, but I don't think Nazim Kadri was a flake whatsoever, and I think he was a gritty guy that. He was one of those guys that brings that sandpaper and he's in a prominent role. He's just not a guy in the fourth line that brings it because sometimes you need guys that go out there, shift in and shift out to, to play like that, not just a guy in the fourth line. And Kadri did that. Obviously, I think they were probably tired of the suspensions in right. the playoffs and costing the team. But um, he was a guy, I wasn't a fan of that trade. I think Barry and Kerfoot, um, you know, I, I haven't really loved their games, what they brought to Toronto. Kerfoot started out well, and he produced goals early, but he tailed off a lot. And Tyson Berry has yet to find his game in Toronto, so hopefully those, both of those things can happen. But Kadri was a guy that he was a competitor, and he, I, I think they needed him in the lineup. I didn't like the trade at all, and we'll see if those two guys can get back on track. Yeah, Flake was probably a bad word to use, and I, I sh probably shouldn't have kind of glossed over the fact that he That's was suspended. That's why I pointed it out. <laughs> Uh, but I, I agree, and it, you know it's funny because we've joked here in Carolina that uh, Patrick Marlowe is a Hurricanes legend because the Canes bought the draft pick by taking on that salary for one year. Uh, I, I honestly thought that Carolina could have gotten Kadri in some sort of a deal with Toronto because he would have fit so many good, uh, you know, he would have fit so many good roles for the Hurricanes as a second or third line center because of the way he plays. Uh, I think Kadri is one of the reasons why I think Colorado is going to be so difficult in the West. Um, how was the how are, have things been since they moved on from Mike Babcock, the head coach? Oh, I think it's just a different environment. I don't think it's a secret that players weren't a fan of them. So uh, that's kind of you know what, what's going to happen next. They've got more of a I think a bit of a 
a comfortable atmosphere at the rink, but we'll see if that translates to wins in the playoffs. That's what it's all about. That's what that team's designed for. Um, it's just one of those things. Teams go from the country. I'm not saying it's a country club, but they go from that cushy atmosphere. Then they bring in the drill sergeant. Then they go back to the somewhat comfortable atmosphere. So we'll see where they land with uh, Sheldon Keith, and you know, that's we'll see if that's what they needed because I don't think the guys were happy coming to the rink with Mike Babcock being there. So we'll see what happens if it translates into getting by the first round or even getting by the play-in round. Jeff O'Neill, the Sports Network and Overdrive on TSN Radio 1050 in Toronto. Before we let you go, um, two things. First of all, who do you like coming out of the East if it's not the Hurricanes? I like the Boston Bruins. I think that they're just, they're kind of just, I think they're in the second half of their window, maybe even the the last quarter of it, and guys are getting older. I just think they're a perfect team. They've got skill. They've got goaltending. They've got grit. They've got they've got every element. They got every element that it takes to win. They've got leadership, and when you got Patrice Bergeron and Pasternak and Chara, they're just to me the complete team. Although they seem to be one of those teams I pick every year, and, you know, if something happens, they either get to the finals. They were so close last year, I thought they're going to win it, but I, I don't see. I always look at it as a team beating them four times. I just think it's going to be awfully tough to beat them four times. Yeah, I mean, it, it, game seven on their own ice last year. I agree. I think Boston. Yeah, no kidding. If it's not, uh, if it's not the Hurricanes, I want it to be Boston. As, and because you are a Hurricanes legend, and you played with the head coach Rod Brindamore, um, just a couple of thoughts on Brindamore as a coach, the Canes as a team, and then before I let you go, I want uh, want your thoughts on John Forsland. Um, Roddy, I think is just you know he's an excellent motivator. I think that. He probably makes the guys ride the bike a little more than I would particularly like, but you see his little speeches after the games. It's always like, finish your work with Billy. I was like, come on, Rod. You just tell him to go home, do something else. But that's just uh, that's what he believes in. He's a fitness freak. Obviously, he understands the importance of that. I understand, he has a, uh, you know, he, he was an old school guy. I think he has an understanding of the way the game's played, the way he wants the game to be played. I think the guys respect him. They want to play for him. And I think they got a good environment there, a good place to go and play. Um, you know, regardless of who's in the building or what's going on around the team, they got a good young team. I was talking to my buddy on the way to golf today, and he really likes them in the East to do some damage. So uh, they had a good little run last year, and we'll see if they can recapture that momentum uh, going into this year's playoffs. And you were here when John Forslund was the voice, and it does appear that that's over. I'm curious because I always we always talk about it this about this from a U.S. perspective, uh, and he's clearly a national voice. He does hockey on NBC here. How does the Canadian public view Forslund? How do you view Forslund uh, as a uh, as a hockey game caller? I know we all know he's a great human being, but uh, as yeah. a game caller. I think he's one of the top five in the business, north or south of the border. And I, I just don't know how, when you have a treasure like that and a community like that, he brings so much. A lot of people tune in to watch the games. I don't know how many people do or the viewership or whatever, but he's just been a big part of the fabric there. And I, I, I don't know how. I think Tom Dundon basically has the view of the franchise where if it doesn't affect, if it doesn't affect the players on the ice, he really doesn't care about it. You saw it with Chuck Hayden. You saw it with John Forslund. It's just kind of the way he goes about it. I think it's it's a shame that he was let go. He's one of the best in the game, and I'm sure he's going to catch on with NBC. I'm pretty sure after Doc Emmerich, he's second or third in line to kind of take over for him when he leaves the game. So 
really disappointing for me. John's been a great friend for a long time. I think he's unbelievable at his job. And for Carolina to just say goodbye like that in the fashion that they did, I mean, I'm not going to get into whatever, but I just I thought it was terrible the way he left. Jeff O'Neill, I thank you very much for your time, sir. Uh, I hope your vacation, whenever it is, you can get to it. I hope you love it, and I hope you have a good time at your cottage and uh, play a lot of golf, and we'll uh, watch playoffs together. Thanks, man. All right, Adam. We'll do it again soon, buddy. Thanks. Well, that was chock full of a lot of goodness. Uh, We thank Alec Campbell. We thank Matt Porter. We thank Jeff O'Neill, and we thank you. It was longer than I intended, but was fun, right? Uh, So here we go. Here's the schedule. Uh, Thursday. Thursday. Is it Thursday? Here's the schedule. Wednesday, July 29th, Canes, Capitals, 4 o'clock, Fox Sports Carolinas, 99.9 The Fan, Stormwatch with Alec Campbell starting at 3. Saturday, August 1st, noon, Canes, Rangers, Fox Sports Carolinas, 99.9 The Fan. If you are out and about away from the triangle, you can catch it on NBC Sportsnet. John Forzen will do the game nationally. Mike Maniscalco and Trip Tracy, of course, have all the games on The Fan and on Fox Sports Carolinas. Monday, Game 3, also noon, August 3rd. Fox Sports Carolina's 99.9 The Fan. And then for you, outside the triangle, uh, NBC Sports Net with John Forslund. Uh, And then Game 3, this is all we know for a fact, Game 3, Tuesday night, August 4th, 8 o'clock on The Fan, Fox Sports Carolina's uh, and uh, NBC Sports Net as well. Uh, So we cannot wait. It's about time, right? Uh, I thank my friends. Thank my friends at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina uh, for making all of this possible. We'll be back next week. We'll get one more of these return to podcast podcast for you before the start of the playoffs. Man, I cannot wait. Then the morning after podcast resume following the Canes and the Capitals next Wednesday. I am Adam Gold. I hope all is well in your world. Wash your hands, wear a mask, and let's get ready for some hockey. You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast.